You can be turning to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to title this today, The Glory of Fatherhood. Um, I will get back to Romans eventually, but I keep having these things that kind of pop up in my mind that I wanted to cover. And with this being the beginning of the year, it's always time for us to revisit the last year and to think about this one, how can we better use our lives? How can we better serve Christ this year? And as fatherhood goes in the family, so goes the family. And I want to just encourage the men today to exhort them, reprove, rebuke, and exhort the men today in this. And I hope that the Lord will use this to encourage you to fight the good fight of faith in your fatherhood. So as we turn to 1 Thessalonians 2, I'll be just using some various scriptures today as we go through. I'm going to begin with this one. I want you to just pay attention to the heart of Paul, our father in the faith, in this passage here in 1 Corinthians, 1 Thessalonians. Chapter 2, y'all pray for me. I am running on fumes, uh, fighting sickness this past week. So y'all pray that God would help keep my mind together. Beginning in verse 1 of chapter 2. For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you that it was not in vain. But even after we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi, we were bold And our God, to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. Fathers must be bold to speak the gospel of God with much contention, even in your own families. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God which tries our hearts. Men, God has put you in trust of the gospel to your family. For neither at any time used we flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness. God is Witness. God is witnessing your fatherhood and how you treat your wife, your family, how you behave at work. God is witness. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ, but we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherishes her children." And right there in that verse 7, you see the heart of this father, apostle Paul, to the church of Jesus Christ. And this we see is how we must be, men. It says we must be like a nurse cherishes her children. You know what that's saying there? That's saying is a mother is feeding her children from her own body that you are to be nourishing your children. You're being to feed them the gospel of God. You're to be showing them Christ in your life. 
so that you might build them up and help them to grow up into Christ. This is the heart and the glory of fatherhood, is that we have such a heart for Jesus Christ that we will pour out our lives and sacrifice our lives as men to our families. Bronislaw Malinowski wrote in the National Review these words. He said, Through all societies there runs a rule that the father is indispensable for the full sociological status of the child. The most important moral and legal rule is that no child should be brought into the world without a man who is guardian and protector. Now that's just from a sociologist. We know it even goes deeper than that. Eternity is at stake in our lives and our families. I was reading a brief blog this week about Lionel Dahmer. Lionel Dahmer wrote a book called A Father's Story in which he tried to just understand what went wrong with his son, Jeffrey Dahmer, who committed some of the worst crimes that have ever been committed. But one of the things that came out as I was reading this is that this father was not there. He was in graduate school. He was not involved in the life of his son. He also noticed in there that he stated that he saw that his son was drifting. He saw that his son was drifting and that he was sinking into himself. Fathers, you cannot, you cannot let your sons drift, your daughters drift, your wives drift. You must pay attention to their souls. You must be like a doctor of observing their spiritual condition and their spiritual state. You cannot be lazy in this. You have to be aware of what's going on. The glory of fatherhood is that men, made in the glorious, beautiful image of the Father, get to love and show mercy and to be present in the lives of their family. We read of our Heavenly Father, He's what? Omnipresent? We can't be omnipresent, but we must be present in their lives. In the world it is different, but in the church of Jesus Christ, we have the very word of truth to guide us in fatherhood. So fathers, you must be seen loving Christ with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. in order for your family to make it through 30, 40, 50, and 60 years of life on this planet. I ask you this question. What is your family going to look like in 20 years? 
What's your family going to look like in 40 years? 400 years. You can go look into the life of Jonathan Edwards. Somebody did an analysis of his life and also of the life of one of his great opponents that lived back during that time. And from Jonathan Edwards flowed a vice president of this country, multiple great leaders and godly people. And his opponent, there was nothing but incarceration and criminals. You see, fatherhood makes a big difference in the future. So what is your family going to look like in 20 or 40 years? Some of us look at the past coming out of situations with bad fathers and all, and we can see that even the father is good to redeem even broken families. He is redeeming people out of those situations and showing them the model in the scriptures of what it's supposed to look like. We live in an age that hates godly fatherhood. Do we not? That hates patriarchy. Type in patriarchy and and look at all the venom you'll get in your return as you do a Google search. So how are we to uh, be successful in this, fathers? Well, we've got to pay attention to the Word. I've just got a, four points here to give you a few things as long as i got strength. The first thing to understand the glory of fatherhood is that you have to understand where the fatherhood comes from. So our first point is the glory of fatherhood comes from Genesis 1, 26 and 28. <clears throat> And God said, let us make man in our image. After our likeness. One of the most challenging things that you have to do, Father, in this world is you have to so live in front of everyone, particularly your family, in such a way that they can see the beauty and the glory of Father God. Fathers are called to point their children toward the glory of the perfect Father. We being made in His image have that responsibility that we are made after His image, made in His likeness. The word Father... This is interesting, this week. I was looking up the word father in the Hebrew. Do you know that that, that is H1 in Strong's Concordance? I thought it was interesting. That, what that means is that's the first word in Strong's in the Hebrew, Abba. You know, we have Abba, Abba Father. It's the very first. And the word father itself means first ancestor or the beginning of a family. It means to be a provider and protector. As we are made in this image of God, God is the bringer forth of life. The men bring forth life into this world. But it's more than just having babies. Life means that you are breathing life into your families. That you are sending forth love and compassion 
and mercy and the way that you live in front of your children. You are the sending, the sender forth of life. You are the provider and the protector. How are you doing with that, men? How are you doing with sending forth life into your family? The second thing is you must understand your mandate. That mandate we have right there in that same text in Genesis 1. And it says, And God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air. And over every living thing that moves upon the earth, you are to go out in the world and to bring it into subjection. This kind of dominion, this godly dominion that you are called to is not a dominion of destruction. It is a dominion of bringing order out of chaos as the Holy Spirit did there in Genesis where it says the Spirit of God moved upon the formless and void world. As the Holy Spirit brings order out of chaos of our life, we men are to be bringing order out of chaos in our families. Order out of chaos at work. In fact, there never seems to be an end of it. It's one of my my favorite little quips on, on The Incredibles. Is that Mr. Incredible says, I just cleaned this mess up. You know, it always seems to get back into a mess. Well, that's, that's life. And we're called to take dominion and to bring forth order in our lives and in the world and in our family. So as the Father created the world and has a loving, caring, creating dominion over it, so are you also. I was reading a biography of Benjamin Franklin. I'll tell you, if all unbelievers were as diligent and had the character of Benjamin Franklin, what a world it would be. Benjamin Franklin always went about doing good for others. He did so many things that were for the general welfare and good of others. He is a great example of what it means to take dominion. He was the one who, in, who created the first firehouses and firemen for the general good of society. He is the one who established the first street lamps in cities for the good of society. He's the one who made gutters in the streets for the washing of the dirt and everything out of the way so that people wouldn't be tracking mud and dirt everywhere. He was always thinking of ways that he could improve and make things better for everyone. And so it is with us. We also, in taking dominion, are not to be lazy and wasting of time and resources, but having a careful dominion looking to do good to the world. Would that not be showing forth the glory of the Father to the world? In Psalms 90 and 12 it says, David, the psalmist says, Teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. I see in this great help for us in thinking about how we take dominion is that we understand we have a limited amount of time and that we must not waste our time but apply ourselves to them. In Proverbs 18 and 9, similar to that verse, He also that is slothful 
in his work is brother to him that is a great waster. We are not to be slothful in work. We're not to be slothful as fathers or wasters. We're to take dominion and to show forth the glory of the Father. But I'll tell you, you cannot do that, man, if you are not first taking dominion of your own soul, of your own passions, of your own emotions, of your own tongue. You must be taking dominion of yourself and living someone that is under the meek, humble control of the Holy Spirit. If you want your family in 40, 50, 60 years to be following after Christ. I know the sovereignty of God is absolute in that. But God uses the means of fatherhood for us to build generational godliness in the world. In Ephesians 5, I think we see... You you want to talk about some mandates? Y'all tired of hearing about mandates? I'll give you some God dates. Ephesians chapter 5. If you are going to be successful in your fatherhood, in your leadership of your family, that your wife will follow after this, your children will follow after this, I'm just going to jump into Ephesians 5. This practical part begins back in chapter 4, but I want to go through just some things here in chapter 5. This is what you must be about, men. And I'll just tell you this too. Your children need to see you memorizing whole chapters like this. They need to see that you love the Word of God more than you do your football or your golf or your motorcycles or whatever your enjoyments are. Your family needs to see that you love the Word of God. That you are committed to it. That this is precious. That this is eternal. And if all you give it is a passing glance, and they don't see you in this, if they don't see your passion around this, they'll know you're a hypocrite. That you're fake. And that what you really love is whatever. That's not to be the way it is in the house of God, right? And so in Ephesians 5, it says, Be therefore followers of God as dear children. Fathers, you've got to be a follower of God like a little child. You remember the message I brought from Matthew 18? Except you become humble like a child, you will not enter into the kingdom of God. You must first have the humility of a child and be entered into the kingdom yourself before you can lead your family that way. Be followers of God as dear children and walk in love. Daily, habitually, you must be walking in love as Christ also hath loved us and gave Himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savor, to walk in love is to walk in sacrifice. It's going to cost you something, men, to be godly fathers. There's things you're going to have to give up if you're going to take time to sit down with your children. If you've got a big family, do you take them out on daddy dates? Do you have concentrated time that you spend with each individual child? I know in the place of business we have 
development plans and all this kind of stuff. Bob's talking about he's having to go through that right now. Where he's having to do all of that stuff every year. Do you fathers have anything written down about your kids or your wife? Do you study their personalities? Do you have conversations with each other, moms and dads, about what you need to be praying for for this child? What are the goals and this child needs to accomplish this next year? It's going to take some sacrifice to walk in love. To show that you're doing everything you can so that Christ might be formed in your children. It will not be done without effort and sacrifice. And here comes the sacrifices that must be made for godly men. Fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness must not be once named among you. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. These are great strong words here. We must be walking in purity in front of our children. We must watch our mouths. You know, it's so easy to get drawn in to things. I was watching Yours, Mine, and Ours. I don't know if y'all remember that. Lucille Ball, Henry Fonda. And you know, I go back and I watch these old movies that I saw years ago. And I've forgotten about some of the things that are in there. You know? Uh, In one scene, one of the teenage boys is looking at essentially a... Playboy magazine in bed, and it's just natural. It's just part of life. It's just the way it is. And some other type suggestive things all through that show. And that movie was made, what, back in the 60s, maybe? And you see, that is not the standard of the Scriptures. We live in a world where movies are made where that's just casual. Let me tell you something. If if that's all your kids are consuming and they're seeing that and they're not getting this, what model do you think they're going to follow? Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things comes the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Don't be deceived. It's so easy to be deceived. As I go through and I read this, and I I read the the mandate of God for us as believers and how we are to walk, and I grieve over the failures that I've seen of professing believers in the church. How many so-called bigwig preachers have fallen in the past 20 years? It always gets a lot of press. And it's sad to see. But it's really grief when you know someone. And I've known several. Uh, I even know someone uh, from my past who had uh, asked me some questions about, um, you know, how can can we understand how God is allowing children to die from, you know, from COVID? Something like that. And... 
All the while, that man has ripped the hearts of his own children out and stomped on them through his behavior. And uh, to see the inconsistency in someone who, they seem to call themselves a believer, but yet the way they're living is in such a way that it's clear they're not. That grieves me. That breaks my heart. I don't want to be like that. I want to walk and to live like an authentic believer. He goes on here in Ephesians chapter 5. And he says, Be not you therefore partakers with them. For you were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children in light. Fathers, we must walk as children of light. And if we have the Holy Spirit, we will. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Now here's one that gets deep. In a society that's filled with so many, so many screens and so many streams and so many videos and so much social media, he says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, expose them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. This is piercing sometimes when you think about entertainment and art and how profane those things have become in our society. Fathers, we must have standards in our house. Do you know how much screen time? What does that look like in your family? What does it look like for you? It's time of year for us to go back to that and just say, This is what the standard is going to be. And this is what we're going to do in our house. Here in Ephesians 5, you see this mandate that we have. Just briefly to point out to you the rest of this chapter, the rest of this letter to the Ephesians. I'm telling you, memorize Ephesians. Make it a goal, men, to memorize Ephesians and get this in your soul so that you can live it in front of your kids. He goes on and talks about the husband and the wife, and how that whole relationship is a picture of Jesus Christ in the church. He goes on in chapter 6 and talks about fathers not to provoke the children to wrath, but to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And when you see all this, this whole laying forth of how we are to live, behave, speak, and act, and then it comes down to the family and the husband and wife relationship, and then the raising of the children... And immediately he goes into the armor of God. And he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Do you know how you do that? You do it in your family. It's no mistake that that's following up this whole section talking about husbands, wives, children being in proper governance and submission to the Word of God. You want to be protected from all of the stuff that's going on in the world. Then nurture your families. Put on the whole armor of God because every day we are wrestling with spiritual wickedness in high places. That's in control of our government. It's in control of the media empires and the music empires. We're wrestling against that every day. And fathers, you 
are the major general of your band of soldiers. And you've got to be aware of that. You've got to be praying in the Spirit all the time, wrestling against this darkness so it doesn't get into the lives of your family. Praying always with all supplication in the Spirit. And the next thing you, do, you must do is you must understand what great love you must do this with, fathers. He just said that in Ephesians 5 and 2. Walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Do you have the love of Christ in you? Do you have it? Are you giving yourself as a sacrifice for your children? Is your life a sweet smell? As the father goes, so goes the family. There's places where I've seen fathers who are proud of the fact that they never used the rod of correction in their children. If you love them, you will use it. And if you don't, you're setting up some marriages for a lot of problems. I've seen fathers in line at the grocery store with kids whining and complaining and they just give in and it made me ashamed to be a part of their sex. I've also seen men who are too harsh, who don't pay attention to the personalities of their children, who are not gentle and kind and wise in how they structure and discipline Are you a sweet-smelling savor? There's going to be times, fathers, when the old nature in your child is going to raise up in such a way against you with bitterness and spitting that it's going to take great restraint for you to show forth love in that situation. I heard the story this past week about a minister who had a son who went into full rebellion and said, I am not going to live by this rule. This was a godly minister. He was not legalistic. He was not harsh. He was a man of God. And that son got so angry and, and full of hatred. That old nature was hatred in that godly father that it could see because that son wasn't born again yet that he pulled a gun out and aimed it at his father's stomach and his dad quickly thinking pushed the gun down and it went off and it shot him in the knee rather than in the stomach. And that son went to jail. And several years later, that son went under the waters of baptism. And that father and that son worship today together in the house of God. You see, it's going to take great perseverance and maybe even great pain and trials like that. But if you have got a grip of love on your children, a grip on their conscience, you can keep praying and persevering and one day it will win out by God's grace. John Patton was a great missionary. You want to see a picture of a great father? John G. Patton. I probably read this story before. I never get tired of it. I hope you don't. He was a missionary to the New Hebrides called Vanuata. 
in the South Seas where he went where they were cannibals. The previous missionaries that had been dropped off by a ship captain before the ship was out of sight had been clubbed to death and were being cooked on the beach. John G. Patton was born in 1824. And through the 82 years of his life, he showed great courage as he went to the New Hebrides. One of the reasons why he had such great courage is because of the dad that he had. There was a closet where his father would go for prayers as a rule after each meal. The 11 children knew it. And they reverenced the spot. And they learned something profound about God. The impact that this father had on John Patton was immense. Though everything else in religion were by some unthinkable catastrophe to be swept out of my memory, John would say... And blotted from his understanding, he said, My soul would wander back to those early scenes and shut itself up once again into that sanctuary closet. And hearing still the echoes of those cries to God, those would hurl back all doubt in my life. My dad walked with God, may not I? Fathers, do your children hear you praying in such a way that they know that you know God. They would walk five miles to church and back every week, these 11 children. And he said on the way back from church, my dad would digest the sermon for us all the way home. One of the best scenes was on his way in which he was leaving to go to divinity school. They were walking and they were going to, he was going to Glasgow in Scotland. And there was a 40 mile walk. A 40 mile walk. And he wrote this some years later. He said, my dear father walked with me the first six miles of the way. His counsels and tears and heavenly conversation on that parting journey are fresh in my heart as if it had been but yesterday. And tears are on my cheeks as freely now as then. Whenever memory steals me away to that scene, for the last half mile or so, we walked on together in almost unbroken silence. My father, as was often his custom, carrying hat in hand. His lips kept moving in silent prayers for me. His tears fell fast when our eyes met each other in looks for which all speech was vain. We halted on reaching the appointed parting place. He grasped my hand firmly for a minute in silence. And then solemnly and affectionately said, God bless you, my son. Your father's God prosper you and keep you from all evil. Unable to say more, his lips kept moving in silent prayer. In tears we embraced and parted. I ran off as fast as I could and went about to turn a corner in the road where he would lose sight of me. I looked back and saw him still standing with head uncovered where I had left him, gazing after me. 
Waving my hat in adieu, I rounded the corner and out of sight an instant. But my heart was too full and sore to carry me further. So I darted into the side of the road and wept for a time. Then rising up cautiously, I climbed the dike to see if he yet stood where I had left him. And just at that moment, I caught a glimpse of him climbing the dike and looking out for me. He did not see me, and after he gazed eagerly in my direction for a while, he got down, set his face toward home, and began to return. His head still uncovered, and his heart, I felt sure, still rising in prayers after me. I watched through blinding tears till his form faded from my gaze, and then hastening on my way, vowed deeply and oft by the help of God to live and act so as never to grieve or dishonor such a father and mother as he had given me. Are we living in front of our children in such a way that they would say, I want to live and act so as never to dishonor such a mother or father that God has given me. John Patton lived a life of beholding the glory of Christ and was changed. His dad lived a life of beholding the glory of God and was changed. You see, there's, there's no rules or a keeping of this or doing any of that. The way we are changed is by beholding Christ. By sitting in His presence. Men, if you do not have that time set where you are beholding Christ in His Word, in your own heart, and being changed and transformed to look like Him, how will your children be? (coughs) You must be in Christ. And so I ask you, are you in Christ? Are you? Psalms 26.2, David said, Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. We've got too many fake Christian fathers. We need authentic Christian men. Masculine men. Men who know how to love like Christ loved. Who know how to study their own hearts and the hearts of their children and wives. Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates? As we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Y'all remember that from 1 Corinthians fifteen forty nine. You see, one of the things I've noticed about myself is you come to the realization as you get older how much like your dad you are or your mom. You know, sometimes that can be a little scary. You know, there are ways in which you will be just like your father. And there are ways in which you must not be just like your father. There are great character traits and all that I am so grateful I got from my dad. But we always have to remember there are only two fathers, Adam and Christ. Which one are you? Which one are you growing like? Because let me tell you something, your kids, more than likely are going to be a lot like you.
And the more you're like Christ, the more you can help them be like Christ. 2 Corinthians 3.18 But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. As we behold the Lord, we're being reformed and renewed and made to be like what we were meant to be in Christ. And as we are fighting for that sanctification and that holiness in our life, we will be changed from glory to glory as the image is being, as you're being conformed to Christ, Romans 8, 29 and 30. So how are you doing with that, men? I want to encourage you to think about goals for your family. Think about what do you need to be praying for each child this year. You need to be thinking about what character is, that needs to be corrected in your children and yourself so that y'all can continue to grow in grace. <clears throat> Stonewall Jackson, I sent out some quotes from him as I've been reading that uh, biography of him. Lately, I was thinking about communications. You know, communications in military, how important is that when you're at war? When you look at the, when I'm reading about the Civil War, I'm surprised anything ever got done. It was such a mess. Uh, You know, they didn't have the kind of communication we have today or anything, but still, there was a point where General Jackson had some officers who went outside the communication channels and tried to get him removed from his position. And they wrote letters to politicians and, you know, that sort of stuff. And they went outside the lines of communication. And uh, he ended up, uh, it worked, and they came to him and said, you know, you need to change your direction and what you're doing. he said, okay, I'll do that, and here's my resignation. And then it backfired on those men. And uh, he, they ended up getting him to not resign. And, the, and then immediately upon... Once that happened, he brought charges against those men for not following the lines of communication. So my illustration out of that is this. Fathers, if you're the major general of your platoon of soldiers, do you know what all the communications are that are getting to each of your troops? In Vietnam, they would dump propaganda flyers Y'all know what I'm talking about? I'm telling you that your family is being bombed with propaganda regularly. Do you have control on the communications? Do you even know what your children are reading and seeing? Do you know what the propaganda is that's coming to them? You are the major general. You're responsible for knowing that. And you need to make sure that they're getting the truth of the battle of what's going on. They need to understand the truth and the reality of heaven and hell. They need to understand the truth and the reality that some people believe and some don't. They need to understand the reality that the church has been called out of the world into a loving body of believers to fight the fight of faith and that Christ is coming again and there's going to be a great judgment. 
We live in a world that just thinks we get everything we want and then we retire and we just coast. That is not reality. That is not reality. You are being conformed to something. The Word says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. And the last thing I would tell you, men, to encourage you is you must know how to fail because you will. And you already have. You must... Let me tell you another something else you need to memorize. Psalms 51. Psalms 51 is David's psalm of repentance. And many of the uh, men who were burned at the stake by Bloody Mary, by the Roman Catholic Church, when they were slaughtering godly and holy men and burning them at the stake, they would recite this psalm while the fires were consuming their bodies. We need to know how to fail, and we need to know how to repent, and we need to know how to say we're sorry. Because not only are we to show them the model of godliness, we are also to show them the model of how to repent, of how to be humbled, of how to beat our pride down. And we can show them by example how to repent, how to say we're sorry, and how to get back up again and fight the good fight. So fathers, you must be seen loving Christ with all your heart, mind, and soul. You've got to be changed. You've got to be so in love with Christ that you're being changed and so that they will see you changed. What will your family look like in 20 years and 40 years? Will you still be together? Will you still even be married? Will your children still be married? They can be. If we love Christ with all our heart, mind, and if we spend time in prayer like John Patton's dad, and we pour out our very souls in sacrifice and love to the raising up of the next generation of believers, I believe we will be successful. And I believe that we can pray a prayer like this. God, I pray that for a thousand generations you would let every one of my seed be a believer in Jesus Christ to the glory of God. I think He can do that. I believe He will answer that prayer. And so let us pray that prayer. And may God bless His Word.